And what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Bear Down Sports Association podcast, episode 94 today. Join alongside me, Commissioner Brandon Kurtzman and special guest Ryan Morick back on the pod for uh, the week seven recap, week eight slash uh, week one of the playoffs, really, preview and um, our picks here. Kurtzman, how are we doing today, brother? Um, good. Want to get a few things off here so everyone hears things that need to be said. Number one, I'm sorry, not all the film is up. TJ's computer is broken and I live in Hoboken. I'll get it done tomorrow. Wow. Number two, uh, stats leaders, I've been busy, work, haven't gotten to it. I'll get it out to you next week. Number three, sorry we didn't do two podcasts this week. I'm busy. I'm busy as hell. We're so, busy. So bad week, bad week. Yeah, bad week. don't think the league has been given up on. It's just it, it's if you if you don't if you know anything about tax, the deadline is five seventeen. Today is five fourteen. So just to put that in, uh, in if you, in if, you if you I know guess, anything yeah. about youth sports, um, I'm coaching seventeen basketball teams. Morik, how are you doing today? <laughs> Yeah, you know, this week this week was a little rough. Uh, <laughs> no, TJ and I were about to record last night, and then we and then we didn't. We we were not prepared. We, two times, two times we were about to record this week. Me and Kurtzman, and then me and Mork, and neither time it happened. Yeah, we, we're late, but better late than never. But never late is better. I agree, Mork. I agree there. Um, Kurtzman, where do you want to start here? Um, let's definitely start with the recaps of last week's games. Hmm. Okay. I think, I think uh, teams that won this week definitely deserve their praise for doing what they needed to do to get into the playoffs up their seed and whatnot. And other teams that are kind of heading in the way wrong direction, heading into the playoffs. Talk about uh, Dartmouth securing the one seed. I want um, you, I want you to talk about, talk about the importance of that to the league, by the way. I think that's, that's very underrated here. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think um, I think Dartmouth securing the one seed, Piscopo being the best team in the league going into the playoffs, it, it, it definitely speaks volumes to maturity and growth in the league. Like if anyone was here in the beginning in summer 2018 when Piscopo first took over as Titans quarterback, we didn't know if he'd continue being quarterback, but he wanted to do it again. And he's grown so much with last season with the Cardinals and on this season running Dartmouth to a number one seed. And it shows that you can definitely get a lot better uh, quarterback. I think I've gotten a lot better quarterbacking throughout the years, but Piscopo has definitely shown that you can go from being kind of ass to being a really good quarterback in this league. Um, Yeah, I completely agree. Um, Like you said, if you saw Joe in the beginning of the, uh, you know, his run with the Titans at quarterback and then to where he is now, you know, and the way they play every week and the way they execute and, you know, how seriously they take it, you got to tip your cap. Um, all of us picked against Dartmouth in that game. They came, they were ready to play. They were pissed off about not having have They're like, damn, we're the best team in the league. We get no have Like they were, they have a chip on their shoulder and they're super focused and they really want to win. So, you know, uh, Kurtzman, for you and Morik, I guess it's, it's things that you guys aren't the one seed and that, you know, you don't get that undefeated season still no team to be undefeated through the bear down regular season um you guys couldn't you know you couldn't get that mark but uh you got to tip your cap to Dartmouth mark yeah I mean uh I didn't watch well I, I left in the early like midway through the first half and so so I got the I got the gist of what happened in the second half um I, what, what I take away from it is that it, it sounded like we also beat ourselves I think Kurtzman and I will 
fit here and still say that we are the better team. That's not to that's not to not give kudos to Dartmouth. They're they've won they won eight in a row to end the year. So they're obviously a good team. They're not doing this on accident, but we're still confident in ourselves. We had we've had some pretty good conversations since that game ended. Uh, but yeah, like Brandon said, uh, Piscopo has emerged greatly. Nick Tompkins is constantly one of the best players in this league, and they are a good duo who find a way to do it. And they're damn good. They are a good team. They they have improved week in week out, and I hope we get that rematch in the finals because we need redemption. And if we do get redemption, that's most that's that would have to be in the finals, obviously. So yeah, that'd be kind of nice for us, obviously. But but no, good for them. They deserve it. They went eight and one. Uh, there was going to be an eight and one team that got the one seed, and it was and it was them. Kurtzman. Anything this game? Uh, anything specific about the game? Um, they hit on big plays. Uh, we've prided ourselves all season on not getting beat with the big play, making teams have to drive down the field five, six, seven plays on defense, and that's why our defense has been so effective because we've been so good in the secondary, and they were able to beat us two times on a third and long and a fourth and long. So it it, it shows that we are for sure vulnerable. Um, I'm not saying that we wanted to lose, but I guess it may, maybe it'll come back to help us. It humbled us definitely. It humbled me a little bit for sure. Um, I, I, not that I thought we were going to blow them out by any means, but I thought, especially after the way that first drive went, where we drove right down the field and put it in the end zone, kind of thought we were about to run away with it. Um, we got the stop, or no, we had an interception by Pat, and then we get down the field and Matt Hughes, bad snap. I wasn't looking for it. They, Liam Knowles, hungry as a dog falls on it. They come down and score the next play, then two plays later or something like that. So it, it just shows. And then the second half we go up 13, seven, and then we have them in third and 15. Um, and Rich Ritter's wide open 30 yards downfield. I was telling my team, uh, I was in the zone and I, the ball went up in the air and I looked, turn around. I said, okay, Mike will probably just make a play on it. And it'll be, we'll get the ball back. And then I turn around and only one player was standing where the ball was going. Um, we need to be better. Uh, I've watched the game about 15 times because even though I know what we did wrong and what we need to improve on, it just, I'm always looking for these little things and it definitely got me back on my grind. We hadn't been game planning as much, I think in the last couple of weeks. And uh, it showed here because I said it after the game, they 100% game planned. They were 1000% ready for everything you're going to throw at them on offense. And our defense played okay and very inconsistent for the first time all season. So that's that Dartmouth, very good team. Um, they capitalize when you make mistakes, and that's what great teams they do. They definitely don't beat themselves. They were super no, they didn't beat like themselves. You and you, I have to say, bro, Joe has arguably pass of the year on that touchdown to Rich Ritter. Oh yeah, falling out of bounds, just flicks it up in the air. Knows knows that he's able to kind of just loft it because no one's down there. But he was under immense pressure on the play. No, no I'm talking. I'm talking about. I'm talking about the other one. Oh oh. Yes, the other I sent one. it to yeah, the timing route. Not yeah, not yeah, the not the one where he's route. wide open. Anyone yeah, yeah. Can, not, no, no, no. great play by yeah. Joe, but anyone could have made that throw. I'm talking about the other throw, the one where as soon as he broke up field, the ball was already out. Beautiful night. Nice. Beautiful yeah, catch. Beautiful catch. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, no, one sorry. Yeah, you're 100 percent right. That I said that I actually sent that throw to Joe right after it happened. And I just said, This is what like this is what makes him so good now. He used to be an only running quarterback that you really make him throw. Now he has that in his bag. He his mechanics in the, in the pocket are so much better now. And 
he, no one talks about it, but he shuffles his feet the way quarterbacks are supposed to in the pocket. He feels the pressure and he makes smart decisions with the football. I think one of the big things for Dartmouth is that Tompkins is calling plays off that play sheet a lot that he has on his wrist. And I think that takes a, lo- a load off the quarterback, but Joe is an absolute monster this year, MVP candidate, and uh, he could be holding a lot more hardware at the end of the season. Wow. Mork, anything else on, on this before we move on here? Yeah, no, that was that was a that was a lot a lot on Dartmouth. Felt like they definitely deserved. No, they praise. deserved it. They deserved it. Even though we're five days late, stuff. they deserved their praise. Yeah, um, yeah, Dartmouth number one seed, and I'm actually as a commissioner, I'm ecstatic to see it. Yeah, and who who was their one loss to this season? Foggy week one with no Tompkins. So right, Tompkins, Tompkins, eight and zero this year. Yeah. What was that, Mark? I said I said they lost to a very good team without their best player. I mean that, that's not a knock on them whatsoever. They easily could have went nine and zero this year. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to the next game. Let's go. Uh, let's go real quick. Kurtzman, you versus uh, you versus TCU. Yeah. Um, we were up twenty nothing. They score. We we snap it in the dirt. We make it a game. They they capitalize on mistakes. I told our team that we probably should have went 0-2 on the day the way we played. We're lucky that we played a, a lesser opponent in the league that like TCU that who, who missed out in the playoffs going 0-2 this week with their loss to Ole Miss. And it it, it shows that we're super vulnerable. Um, Eric made a couple of really nice throws to Dylan. Dylan made a couple of really nice plays in this game. But offense was rolling. I felt good about us. I felt good about the offense, but um, overall – TCU, I, I, it sucks that they went 0-2 and missed out of the playoffs. But, uh, yeah, I guess we'll talk about that when we talk about the inverse Ole Miss. Mark? I feel like – yeah, I, I feel like once we were up 20 to nothing, we got a little bit too comfortable. I think we were kind of looking at 9-0 early on in the first half, and we were we were obviously talking about it in our group chat. But I feel like we thought we were going 9-0 a little bit more earlier than what, than what we thought. We, we had the, we had the, uh, we had the bad snap and then they jumped on it in the end zone. So that's, I don't really think that's laziness or anything on our part. That's just, uh, that's just the ball bouncing the wrong way. But again, I, I think once we got up to 20 nothing, we were kind of looking ahead a little bit. And I think we eventually carried that into the Dartmouth game and Dartmouth also got us on that second game of a doubleheader. Again, not to knock Dartmouth or, or anything like that. I guess I'm just coming up with a bunch of excuses as to why we're yeah, you are, you are coming up. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, it, look, we came away with the W. Uh, I give credit for TCU for battling because it's because when you're on the brink of elimination, down twenty to nothing, it's definitely not easy to fight back. And they did. They made it kind of interesting on us. Um, but we came away with, with the W. Damien was a monster as per usual. Yep. What Brandon, you texted us the other day, like he had 21 sacks in seven games on the D line. And I know yeah. we had to use at least we had to use him at least once in the secondary. So monster yeah. here. Monster yeah. here. Yeah. Um, yeah, Damien Damien, Damien having 21 sacks in that uh Damien having 21 sacks in that uh time frame right there what do you what do you have he missed the game right Gersman? no we only played eight games oh you only played eight that's what it was yeah so he did he didn't miss a game but he only played eight games oh yeah that's 21 right. sacks in eight games is absolutely crazy but um we'll talk more about tcu in that you know that loss to Ole miss but this was a chance for them to clinch the playoffs and they missed out on it. it's still crazy to say that um this is where we are with them and they're out of the playoffs they're not going to be there at the field this week it's kind of kind of crazy Gersman, to think about i'm uh, a believer in eric though I will say that I'm still a believer in him. I think that kid is super athletic and, and I've seen him make, make some really good plays this year. Um, I, I don't know the extent of why he, he missed a couple of games, but 
I think if he's fully committed to to no matter what kind of team he has in front of him, I, I think eventually he's good. He's going to be an impact player in this league. I think I th- I'm not sure what his future holds if he's going to keep playing or not, but I've seen him at the highs of highs, and this season was not pretty. Um, Bear down is a big on consistency and chemistry and building week by week, and they were never able to do that. Um, yeah, oh, never. We're always having subs, and I always say the teams who have the most subs always end up missing the playoffs because that means you're not building as a team every week. Yeah. Um, but yeah, TCU Dylan drafted a decent team, but they just didn't show up enough consistently to uh, rise to. I, I wouldn't even say the top, just be able to make the playoffs. They had two chances to win one game. They didn't get this one done. They might have been looking towards the second game because it, I guess it was a little more winnable in theory, but they didn't get it done. All right, let's go to the 8.30 game that I forgot about real quick, but actually a very important game. Blue Mountain State versus Michigan State, Kurtzman. Yeah. the It was actually a really big game for Michigan State because if they lost this game, that means that they would have to play this weekend and Sam Allen wouldn't be there playing quarterback, correct? Yeah, no, that is what's happening. I mean, that's huge. And yeah. Blue Mountain State ends the season on what, a four-game win streak? Uh, three, no, four game win streak, four game win streak to end the season. A four game win streak to end the season. Um, you ref this one, right? I ref the beginning and then I kind of just watched it, but I, I, I cut the film so I can talk about it. Yeah, tell me. Um, not defense was optional. Uh, these yeah. teams, I thought, I thought Michigan State was better defensively. They kind of got torched in this game. Vigarano was making the throws he wanted to make, he was running when he needed to. Um, Everyone was kind of making plays for Blue Mountain State. I know Mikey was Mikey had a few catches. Uh, Bryce had a, a, bit, a couple of big plays. Matt Green caught a deep ball down the sideline. Matt Schaefer, two touchdowns for Matt Schaefer. Make sure to get this, the week seven having day so that uh, Matt Schaefer got his because he had like three or four catches in this one, two being touchdowns on very, very good throw balls, but also tough catches with the sun beating down. If you were going that way in that game, if you were on that field, the sun was hitting the receivers in the face. So Matt Shaver had a great game, breakout game in the second ever Shaver Bowl um, between Steve and Matt. Uh, Steve also had a catch in this game. He made a nice play. Um, but overall, both offenses were kind of humming, but no one really wanted to play defense. Sean McDonald made a few really nice plays in this game. I thought kind of everyone was making plays and being playmakers. Nick King caught a touchdown. Zach Bellheimer caught a touchdown. Everyone kind of scored in this game, but Overall, Big Organo's team is, or I won't say that, Blue Mountain State is trending in seriously in the right direction. Mikey Organo playing on the offensive line now is definitely different element to their game because it allows sometimes for mismatches with your best, like, cover people are guarding the receivers, but now you have Mikey on the line, kind of gets a mismatch with a linebacker or a defensive end that can't stick with him in the secondary. So, um, Blue Mountain State looks very good, and – they got a tough round, a tough matchup with Florida State in the first round. We'll talk about that on next week's preview. But uh, that's that's a, a winnable game for them the way they're playing. Mm. Mork, you don't you don't bet you don't bet against Vic Gargano when it matters. Uh, I think I remember talk, saying a couple of weeks ago that when they were kind of at the bottom of the standings, I said this is where Vic Gargano is going to turn around, and he did. So that's one big takeaway. And the, my other big takeaway from this is that Michigan State has had trouble beating be, uh, good teams all year long. And we'll talk about it more in the preview. But since Sam is not going to be there, they have a tough task. Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Without Sam. So uh, 
I don't want to, I don't want to foreshadow too much, but that's a big takeaway right there. The fact that this one was kind of vain and blue man state kind of put it away uh, somewhat early and they got, and they did their job as per usual with Vin. And that's not, that shouldn't surprise anyone. And they are not someone that anyone should want to face uh, in the next coming weeks. Yeah. They turned it, they turned it right around and um, you know, beginning they were what one and four and then finished season five and four. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They turned it right around. They won all the games they needed to win. And now they're arguably the hottest team in the league right alongside Dartmouth going into the playoffs here. Um, really bad loss for Michigan state too. Like I know we talked about it and just a really big game for them. And now you have to play a playoff game with, um, no, no disrespect to Trevor Garland at all, but he just hasn't played quarterback all year for them. It's been Sam. It's a tough task to make your first start in the league in a playoff game. Going to be uh, going to be really tough. But um, we'll talk about that in the uh, in the preview. Clip. They came with no urgency, and that was that's very surprising because I was texting Sam after the game, and he was like, "I think I, I've exceeded my expectations, and I think he's he exceeded he exceeded his own expectations, and he exceeded a lot of other people's expectations." People were sleeping on Sam all year. He comes out, he balls out, and this was the game for Sam Allen to really show that he can compete with the elite talent. I know that Sam. I mean, this whole league loves Vin Gargano, but to come out there with no sense of urgency when you know that you're not going to be able to show up when, if you lose and to just come out flat like that, that was a surprising, but B pretty disappointing as well. Wow. I don't think they came out that flat. I thought they put up 33 points. Like, I don't think <laughs> they came up, I mean, listen, they came up short, but I don't know. I, it seemed like they were, it seemed like they were prepared. Um, honestly, I just think that the defense just Vin was just able to, not get sacked Mm -hmm. but no I think uh Sam definitely has exceeded many people's expectations and I guess his own I thought honestly thought he was this most confident kid in himself thought he would thought he would think he's going nine and out the way that he gave plans and gets ready for the game but um sucks that Sam isn't going to be here this week had the opportunity to not miss a game but sometimes I guess that's just how it goes um big win for Vin now Vin gets the week off Yep, huge, huge bye week right there for them. Um, let's move on to the other 10 o'clock game. Now we're going back to 10 o'clock, okay? Which is Ole Miss against uh, Ole TCU. Ole Miss versus uh, TCU. This was it right here for TCU. Like, if they won, they're in. Uh, they got smoked. It wasn't even a game, Chrisman. Rolled up and smoked. What What? what they happened? They their own destiny Why? going into this one? or Yeah, they won. They won. They were in. Yeah, wow. no, this was a winning your in game for them. They got absolutely smoked. Yeah, absolutely smoked. Um, no urgency, uh, no hunger of the dog that we'll talk about a little later with Florida being a hungry, hungry dog. But uh, TCU is not hungry in this one. Ole Miss came out, did what they do, connect on deep shots down the field. Paulie, another huge game. Um, just Debbie making plays in the middle of the field. It, TCU just wasn't – it just wasn't prepared for it. Um, Dylan was looking forward to the Mexico trip in the early vacation, looking, feeling like an NFL player after getting eliminated from the playoffs. Um, <laughs> I, I just – like I said before, man, chemistry is so important in this league and building week in and week out and playing with so many subs, playing with a different quarterback three or four times this season. It just kind of led to their downfall. I can't believe that they were even in the situation uh, come the last week because they have been honestly outside of – the Florida game putting up 41 points. I feel like they've been a big disappointment offensively this season as a team, but that also is just because they never got it together and they never 
meeting. I doubt they practiced, like, if I had to guess. But it is what it is. Um, TCU, no urgency. Last week of the season, won two games, needed one win. Sounds like the NBA playing and uh, weren't able to get it done. But as for Ole Miss, Ole Miss, listen, I'm going to be honest. They're 5-4 and four this year. They beat every single team that didn't make the playoffs. That's four of their five wins. Wow. Their other win is uh, BMS, who is the sixth seed. So not taking anything away from Ole Miss, but they do take care of business. I wasn't using that as a knock. I was using that as a uh, – It's a good stat. That's a good it's, stat. A, it's a good – it's not a knock to them. It's just – it was a scheduling. And if you look at every other one of their games, they lost by less than by one possession or less. So they're in every single game. They just haven't been able to kind of close out the games or come back from behind against the better teams. But when they play teams that they're better than, they take care of business. They win the games. And I think that's just as important as maintaining close games and like maintaining the close games with tough teams because in the playoffs, it's going to come down to a few plays. A few plays are going to change the game and because teams are going to be ready. And if you're able to win those few plays, you can win the game. And that's what staying close is all about. And what it's all about in football really is keep it close to the end and electric quarterback, your talented quarterback and Tommy Galante make plays for you. So they're a scary team going into it. They got Georgia again for the second straight year in the first round. Tommy's yep. going against IB. Um, well, I talked to we- Tommy tonight at uh, CJB. Oh, geez. What do you say about it? Uh, he's confident. Like he, he's I, confident. He thinks he said, he said he likes, uh, he likes what he sees. He thinks he could get it done. Yeah. And um, Ole Miss, I'm sorry your game film has been notoriously later than other teams. It's not by any uh, purposeful. It kind of just comes down to who has what film. Uh, Tommy, you know, you're, you know, I love you guys on the field. So uh, definitely don't think there's any hard feelings going on there. No, honestly, if, if I'm the one who's getting your film, your film's going to be late. Yeah. That's, well, yeah. That's kind of simply how it is, but it yeah, is what it is. How it is. Um, but yeah, so I like, listen, I, even though I gave this stat about them being off five of the four of their five wins being against play, uh, playoff teams, there's still a team that can put up a ton of points and they play pretty good defense. They're a ball hawking defense. They get a lot of turnovers. So um, the kid Danny's been pretty good in replacing Dane on both tra- both lines. So I saw Dane today too. Oh, <laughs> I hope he's doing well. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so like I said, TCU, no, they were the they were the scared puppy trying to get out of the game, and Ole Miss was the junkyard dog who got this shit done quick. Moore, do you have any thoughts on uh, Ole Miss? Um, it, it, it's funny how we were, were preaching about experience and, and camaraderie and, and all that stuff, and then, and I actually didn't even know that said that that Brandon pulled out. You would think that a team with its three main guys in, in Tommy, Paulie, and Austin that's like the, that's like the trio you would think that they would have a little bit more of, of an improvement and they, and they had Dane for, for the majority of the year. So kind of surprising to see them go five and four. Um, they are, they are the four seed. So it, it's a bit of a better result than they, they were the oh, eight. You wanted more for them. Okay. I like that angle. Um, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I think this is still a, a talented team. They, they, I've, I've just mentioned that trio. Um, I do want to see a little bit more emotion out of them I think that they that they could be kind of stale. I don't want to go too. They don't play for another nine days, so we're not, I'm not going to harp on this too much. But I think they're going to go up against a, a Georgia team that's going to be loud and that and that that's going to let you know when they're going to make a play. So I kind of want to see that out of Ole Miss. I think that that uh, they, that can do a team wonders. Um, but we'll see. Well, that, that's going that's going to be an exciting matchup for sure. Yeah. Overall, uh, good, really good win for Ole Miss. They needed that going into the playoffs and. Uh, 
it's a really disappointing season for TCU, to be honest with you. Just uh, one of the teams who we thought going into the season was going to be a really good team turned out to be a team that missed the playoffs. So that being said, let's move to the 11 a.m. slate. I think we need to give a lot more credit here in this slate, Kurtzman. We'll start with Florida against Georgia. Florida needed a big win. Winning they were in after they saw uh, TCU go to 0-2 on the day, knowing that, okay, if Florida gets this win against Georgia, they're in the playoffs. Um, yeah, uh, I saw Drock the day before at a charity tournament and we were talking, he's like, listen, today I'm having fun, but tomorrow if I hear TCU went 0-2 before I get there, it's going to be game on. And I know you all picked, and he's like, I know you guys all picked them and that's probably the smart pick, but Rock ain't losing tomorrow. And I was like, all right, I guess we'll see. And he came out. I actually heard it was funny. I was playing against Dartmouth. I was on the sideline and X came over to me, like walking in he goes, What's the score of Ole Miss TCU? I go, I bet you Ole Miss is winning. We beat TCU. He goes, okay, lit. And he's on the phone with Jarrock, and Jarrock's like, oh, okay, then we got game. So uh, Florida came out and absolutely shit on Georgia. Um, Georgia came out with the first punch, and ever from that first punch of a touchdown to go up 6 nothing. Uh, Jarrock really took this game over. He decided he was playing D-line against IB, match, match speed for speed on the D-line, and not let, allow IB to just run around back there forever because Jarrock, very experienced flag player, very good flag puller. Um, he came, he was the hungriest dog on the field, I mean, possibly all season. Um, he caught IB a few times on back-to-back plays to set them up and kind of get them the ball back in really good territory. Mahmoud had an interception. Will had a pick six, hit a backflip. I think three or four people hit backflips. Uh, yeah. On Saturday, on Sunday, last Sunday, it was Rich Ritter, Matt Green, Will, and maybe somebody else that I'm not even sure. But um, they came super ready to play, and Georgia, with a new team, looked really, like, confused on the field and a lot of miscommunications in both games, really. We'll talk about the FSU game in a little bit. But – yeah, Florida came out super hungry. All their players were jacked up from the moment they got there. Jodell, Matt, DeFlippis, um, Derek, all of them. They were they they had the most energy possibly I've seen in, out of any team all season. And it showed because they won 31 to 12 and they absolutely blew the doors off of Georgia. They've shown that they can compete with with just about everyone. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like the only team, the only time that they were really out of it was against us. Am I am I wrong in that or I'm not sure if you're wrong. Not sure if you're wrong with that, but they did compete because their offense has always been good enough to kind of keep up. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, they they put up what thirty again against Florida State a couple of weeks. I mean, this uh, when you have Jarrock, your out your offense is isn't going to be ever be deemed as bad by any stretch of the imagination. So, very impressive win uh, for Florida. I, I wonder if this is Georgia just looking into the playoffs already, maybe just kind of just laying out and saying, all right, whatever, this game doesn't really mean much for us, but. No, that game meant something. They could have yeah, gotten no, they, they, they got, no they got deeper teams. issues right oh, now. Oh, you're right. Okay. Yeah. Good call. They got deeper issues. They have demons right now. They have demons. Yeah. I, um, I would like to uh, – real quick, I'd like to apologize oh, for, uh, for Charlie Barking right there. Unedited podcast, as you guys know. The entire season, we have not made one edit on the podcast. So, yeah, Charlie Barking there. That's what happens when someone, when someone walks in the door. Someone comes home. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wanted to give major props to Florida, though, Chris. Like you said, like – we all picked against them and coming into this game thinking, all right, IB is going to be rejuvenated and be ready to go, you know, have a chance right there. Even Jack before the game was like, you know, we're going to put them out right here. They're not making the playoffs. Like I think they were coming to this game real confident and Florida showed out and they did exactly what they needed to do. Got a huge win. And now they're in the playoffs. Like we said, we, I kind of wrote them off to be honest yeah. with you. 
before on the last podcast, I was like, ah, disappointing team. Like, honestly, like, you know, we thought they were good in the beginning of the season. I, I thought this was going to be a team that we were going to be seeing in the playoffs. And uh, now I think Georgia's going to beat them. They're going to be out. But, you know, they proved me wrong. They did their thing. They, they played to the level that, you know, a lot of us around the league think that they are, are easily capable of playing to. So huge win for them. But um, I know we'll get to it in a little bit here, Kurtzman. But big, big question marks for Georgia moving forward. Yeah. Huge question marks. Um, we'll get to some quite well. We have a little segment at the end of this after we talk about the playing games. Um, but yeah, they have huge question marks, and we're gonna we'll talk about that in a little bit. All right, let's do real quick uh, Alabama versus Texas Tech. I know this was like an Alabama all star team, correct? Uh, yeah, it was a bad news, Bama. Um, I don't really care though because Texas Tech should not have lost this game. They were 19 to 6 with a minute 15 to go. Wow, yeah. 19 to six with uh, maybe like a minute 45 to go is when Alabama got the ball back with about a minute 45 to go. They score onside kick score. And then Texas Tech had about three plays at the end of the game to try to win the game. And they couldn't, weren't able to get it down the field. Um, Texas Tech, they beat themselves. They allowed dumb touchdowns. They didn't flag pull well. And yeah, that, that's really all I can say. Like, some people were saying that Alabama shouldn't have been awarded the win because a lot they had like, too many subs, and I think we're going to have to do something about that going into the future because we definitely don't want that to become a thing, especially late in the season when some teams are fighting for playoff positioning and other teams are already out of it and just not showing up. Um, but if you watch the game, Texas Tech was dominating the entire game, and then they just kind of fell apart in the last two minutes. So I, I can't. I can't sit here and be like, oh, yeah, they didn't win the game. Like Alabama, that the, those guys went out there and they won that game at the very end. They just kind of took over in the last two minutes and got it done. So, uh, Mikey Texas Tech. Mikey return at quarterback? Mikey looked very good, but I talked to him after the game. He said he, he wants the, the once a year is good enough for him, and I understand that for sure. Okay. Um, yeah, bad loss for Texas Tech playing against a team that hasn't played together. Yeah, and they could have and they could have secured a spot not playing in the play-in. They drop all the way to the ten. Wow. Yeah, they went from they went from seven to ten. They could have gotten they possibly could have gotten up um higher with a win and gotten to five and four, which I, I think we all picked we all picked uh text tech in that one. So bad week yeah. from the panel. Um but yeah, no, I don't really want again, I mean like listen, Wiz had a good game. I thought Mikey played well. Um Tech's tech side, Billy, I thought played okay. They had like they, bad news, bad. I, I wish someone came up to me and asked me who could sub, but no one came up to me and asked me. So it is both what it is. Both things can be true, though. Both things can be true. I said both things can be true. Like they shouldn't have had those subs, but like you said, you can't blow a 13 point lead with 100 seconds to go. Yeah, yeah 100%. So it is what it is. Uh, Good job for Bad News Bama, though. I'll give them credit. I like the nickname that Mikey gave them. And the, uh, they had a good time. They had a good time. They were hyped up. That might be the first team in Bear Down history to be down by that many points with with that many, like with less than that many, with two minutes to go and get the onside kick and then score to take the lead and win the game. So uh, kudos to the guys out there that played. Uh, good season, Alabama. You got some good players on your team, but another team with consistency issues from all their players. Uh didn't see a few guys down the stretch for the last couple of weeks. So it's, it's, listen, there's a reason why some teams are in the playoffs and others aren't. Mm. And it's right. not always quarterback play. Very true. Let's go to the last game of the day here. Florida state against Georgia, back-to-back losses for Georgia, more impressed with Florida state or more upset with Georgia. Um, can I say both and give reasons why? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm upset with Georgia because I do feel that they made significant strides in that game. But 
they should have been able to close the door. They took the lead with under two minutes to go. I was before they scored before the two minute warning. I'm screaming. I got Georgia money line. Who wants it? Who wants it? No one took my bet, which I'm very surprised by. Georgia scores like three plays later under two minutes to go, but they just allow Augie and Justin to go right down the field. Justin makes a nice one handed catch touchdown to put them out. Um, and then Ivy was unable to get it done with, I think it was 10 seconds left. So, um, I'm disappointed that Georgia was able to, to gave up such a, a lead so quickly. Um, we'd seen IB's teams be so dominant defensively. Yep. Is that because of the guys that were on the team, wink, wink, Justin, or, <laughs> or is it, or was it just kind of a lot, once again, a lack of chemistry and the, and the fact that Augie was making the D lineman on Georgia look like they hadn't played football before. Um, Augie was exceptional in this game. He made guys miss all over the field. He made some good throws. He was running the ball well. Uh, Jack Starter was finally, I felt like, back really this week. He he was playing. He made a couple of big plays down the field. He was everywhere on defense. I got to count the tackles, but I, when I was watching it alone, I thought there were ten. So, um, I felt like he was finally back. So there's signs of there's signs there for Georgia. They're definitely hungry. I think IB. Had a little, I think IB's a little pissed off that they got one zero and two. Um, been drinking a lot. I'll see him tomorrow, so we'll see what's going on there. But uh, overall, FSU rolling going into the playoffs, and IB and Georgia really looking like the down the the decreasing chart emoji on the phone. So the stock is dropping. Yeah, the stock is definitely plummeting, going nowhere towards the moon. So they're gonna have to turn it around ASAP if they're gonna want to not be a one and done in the playoffs. Mark. Um, yeah, I think Cussman hit the nail on the head. I mean, these these are two firepowering offenses, but with Georgia going zero and two, that's that that's that, that definitely opens your eyes a little bit. Does IB need you to win a championship, Mark? Uh, that'd be a nice narrative if he didn't literally beat me last year. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, he did beat. I mean, that was two I seasons think, ago. You went with him. He beat you last. Uh, year. I think I could certainly help. I think I think we'll uh, we'll talk about it later. But I do think that their offensive line needs a little bit of help. So if they want to make any, uh, we don't have a trade deadline considering yeah. we don't have trades allowed. But yeah. <laughs> that's not the point. Uh, but no, you're right, Brian. I mean, the fact that they went zero and two here, when I didn't realize that they could have gotten all the way up to the two seed. So yeah, two and zero day gets them to two seed. Yeah, uh, that that's very surprising. And we we've seen what Augie Justin can, can do on the field, Florida State puts up points like it's like it's nobody's business. They might be the best offensive team uh, in this league. So it's not surprising to see that Florida State won so handedly, but but it's surprised to see Georgia just just totally not show up. I mean, they literally have not shown up uh, earlier this season, but still you expect that when they're there to, to put on a show and, and Sunday they didn't do that. Yeah. Is Johnny Samarco a curse? Johnny Samarco has not won a game this year. Oh and no. oh and nine. No, Johnny Samarco will get us we'll get a win. <laughs> So you're so, oh, so we got an early prediction. Nah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Don't hold me to that. Don't hold me to that. Don't hold me to that. Ooh, to that. going against Ivy in the playoffs. Don't hold me to that. I need to see. All I need right. to see what happens. So that's that's all the recaps. FSU wins 28-27, nail-biting victory for them. Um, let's get into these playing uh these playing previews. Two really good matchups, but some things that we need to say going into each matchup. Yeah. Okay, so first game, 10 o'clock, Oregon and Nick Suroff take on uh, the Jirakless Florida team. Wow. Jirak is not playing this week. Jirak is being replaced. Both teams have agreed. Jirak is being replaced by 
His name is Justin Laguna or something. I don't know his last name. Justin L. He plays. He's a flag football quarterback. I've seen him play. He is a more of a pocket passer, but throws the ball quick, throws it hard and on time. So different game plan for this Florida offense, different game planning for this Florida, this Oregon defense. But Surov knows who's playing quarterback, so they are going to be prepared. The two teams agreed on it, so there's no – Nothing fishy going on like we all know about it going into the game, but definitely changes the way the game is going to be played. Crazy, crazy that Jarak, you know, they got they made they got the huge win now. Jarak's out, yeah. Jarak is Jarak told me when we were on the IG live Sunday morning, he will be tuned, probably be on the phone on the sideline with somebody on the team. So, so Jarak is definitely going to be involved in this game, but just not with his physical self at the field running around like a maniac. Um, but this kid is – he's a good quarterback, this kid. Um, we play against him in the Mammoth League. We play against him in the championship game. He's a good player, um, really good arm, but it's going to be tough for them with a new quarterback and your first week playing is in a playing game to keep your play, keep your season alive. And he's going to come into it fired up. I know he's a passionate player when he's on the field and he always wants to win, but uh, definitely a, a, a negative for the Florida side. Yeah, I'm just going to come out here and say I'm taking Oregon in this game because, like you said, it's his first start in Bear Down. He doesn't even know his teammates. Like He doesn't know He doesn't know the people he hasn't played. He knows, he knows the two kids. That's it. Yeah, that's it. So I'm saying. He only knew a few guys on the team. Um, his first start in Bear Down against his Oregon team, who we've praised Surf all year and how ready they are to go. There's no way. I don't want to say no way, but there's no way I'm picking Florida in this situation. And maybe that's because I'm naive and I don't know about this uh, this kid, Justin, who's coming to play quarterback because I don't know about him. I've never seen him play. I don't even know who he is. But um, I'm going to go with Oregon and, and, and definitely take them in this one. This should, in theory, should be a big win for them. They should cruise in this one. More. I have a feeling that this is going to be close. Uh, I think that – I think we talked about it before. Florida is riding high. They just showed that they can stop a high powered offense and Oregon's offense has not been all that great this year. On the flip side, Oregon's defense has been very good. They held Dartmouth to 18 points. They held Blue Mountain state to uh, 13 points. They held this Florida team to 17 points with Jarrock. So with that being said, I'm going to take Oregon for the same reasons that TJ just said. Um, but yeah, I think that Jarrock is going to be – he probably is heavily involved in this game plan, and I'm sure that this quarterback is listening to Jarrock and listening to the teammates around uh, uh, of who he's going to play with. I think it's going to be close, but I just don't think that the matchup sits well for Florida. I'm taking Oregon. Um, the last time these two teams played, Oregon won on a last second. Uh, I won't call it a Hail Mary because it was only from 20 yards out, but it, it was a, in, in theory, the type of throw, Surf throwing from the left side of the field all the way to the right side from pylon to Pitt. The absolute dime. Pitt makes a great toe tap catch on the sideline and stays in bounds in a rainy day where the ball's probably um, 45 pounds. It took a lot for Oregon to beat Florida last time they played. It also took Joe Pip hawking Jarrock and then next play fumble to set up that game winning drive. Um, I, I I like Oregon's defense. Oregon plays a sloppy game right now. We haven't seen the offensive explosion of Oregon all season. Like not one time have we been like, oh shit, their offense just had put together a full six or seven drives in a game and put up 35 to 40 points. So um, 
I'm not saying this is the week it's going to happen, but I think that um, Florida is just like kind of at like a mental disadvantage because their quarterback, their leader, Jirok's that leader. That's, that's the hardest yeah. soul in their team. He isn't there, and that matters. And I know Justin's a really good player, and I know he throws the ball well. Um, it's tough making your first start in this league. I know he's played five-on-five contact football. I know he's been around the block, but our league's a little different. So I think Oregon's going to come out with a good, really good game plan. I think Seroff and Pip have been uh, scheming up all week. Well, I kind of know they have because I talked to Joey. And um, they're going to be ready. Steve Bowen's actually right. They're going to be making plays. So that game is at 10 o'clock, Rebels Field. Yeah, we're all on Oregon. All on Oregon. Let's go to the next game. The, uh, the next game is right afterwards. Um, Texas Tech versus um, Michigan State. Texas Tech is the 10 seed. Michigan State the 7 seed. Um, for this game, Michigan State missing Sam Allen, Trevor Garland, making his first ever starter quarterback in Bear Down. Um, for Texas Tech, no Jelani or Sadati spot, no Harnish, and no Abdul Sakar. Oh, my God. Who's playing on so, their team? They, yeah, they have seven guys. They agree that Spo could play and replace the Jelani for the game. Both teams agreed upon it. Um, so that's who Tex Tex 8 will be. Well, eighth guy will be. Okay. Um, going into this game, I think for the both games have two players making their first bear down quarterback starts. Yeah, tough. Definitely tough. So these two teams, I'll give the backstory. These two teams played, I think, two weeks ago. Um Texas Tech came out on top, was leading big the entire game. There were a few big plays in this game that kind of changed the complexion and gave Texas Tech um, the major edge early and then kind of had Michigan State fighting back the entire game. But Michigan State did convert on uh, uh, onside kicks, get the ball back, and then came one or a half yard shy of converting on another onside kick. They Zach Bellheimer catches the ball at the one-yard line and just wasn't able to get in per the referee. And – they, that was how Texas Tech kind of won the game. So Michigan State definitely thinks that they have like they have a good momentum kind of building into that game, feeling that they could probably score on Texas Tech. I know Trevor Garland's probably psyched to be playing quarterback this week. They he definitely don't have a bad backup quarterback, that's for sure. No, they definitely don't have a bad backup quarterback. You know Sam Allen is super still super involved in the game plan. He'll definitely probably be on the IG Live, probably talking to someone on the sidelines to get relay information to Trevor or whatever. But Trevor is a good, uh, smart kid, plays college football, Cade, um, plays quarterback, played quarterback in Ottawa for a couple of years, varsity level. So he's got the arm. He's got the the head on his shoulders of the position. It just comes down to the, the guys around him believe in him. And I do believe they do because they believe in Sam Allen and not no knock on Sam Allen, but Sam Allen going into the year, people had questions about him as quarterback. So, and those guys rallied around him and they really play for him. So, I think these guys are going to rally around Trevor and play for Trevor and play hard for Trevor, try and get Trevor that first win. Um, and I'm not, I'm not going to give away my pick yet, but what are your thoughts on Michigan State and Texas Tech War? Who, who's going to play offensive line for Texas Tech? It's going to be Latempa, J.K. Will, and, and – I guess – oh, I mean, they don't have really other, any other big bodies on that team. We've seen Dre play with offensive line for them, but that's not where he needs to be on the field. And they still have – do they have Steve Ruiz this weekend, you said? Yeah, or not? Steve Ruiz will probably be the number one right. receiver, probably get 10-plus targets in a playoff game. And, uh, yeah, what do you – Texas Tech, I just – Huge week for Dre, and he's got to step up. Yeah, Dre's going to have to play a lot, a lot – get a lot of snaps. He had two touchdowns uh, two weeks ago. 
against Michigan State. So Dred owns Michigan State's defense, <laughs> I guess. I, th- I, th- but, I think what Texas Tech is – I think they're going to have to use Spo as an offensive lineman because I don't think that they have a third offensive lineman on that on that team with Harnish out. Um, yeah. And I think with Nick Douglas and Zach Belheimer, you just have to do whatever you can to contain those guys. Um, and Spo, Spo is a very good uh, offensive lineman, and, and he's going he's gonna to go out when he has to, and he's succeeded very well in that role as well. Um, you, said, you said Billy's playing, right? Billy, Billy is playing. Billy is playing, okay. Um, this is – it's going to be fun. I think Texas Tech is getting bailed out a little bit with Sam being out. That's no knock on Trevor by, by any stretch, but I think, but I said before, Sam, Sam was playing well. I, I think, I think Trevor is a very good athlete. Um, but what scares me about Texas Tech is as many good wins as they've had, they've had some pretty bad losses. And we literally just talked about uh, their, la- their loss last week. Now that was in a hundred seconds of a 40 minute ball game, but still a loss is a loss is a loss. And you can't be losing to, to teams who are not in the playoffs when you easily could have been a, a four or five seed. Um, I'll start with the picks. Good. I am going to take Texas Tech in this one. I think that the team, I think that MSU has been riding around Sam Allen all year long. And I think that it's just going to be a challenge for Trevor in his first game as a quarterback in this league to be in a playoff game. Again, I'm not saying that he's a bad player by any stretch of the imagination, but I don't think that Spo is the worst replacement in the world for Billy, who I thought has played very well all season long. They're going to put Spo on the defensive line, who's going to do just as good of a job as John Harnish would. So the defensive line for Texas Tech doesn't be doesn't get hurt whatsoever, and neither does the offensive line. Yes, their weapons uh, falter just a little bit, but... I think Billy will find a way to use Spo. We know that Spo is going to turn up this intensity in a playoff game. So I'm going to take Texas Tech in this one. Yeah, I'll agree with you, Morik. I'm taking Texas Tech as well. It's just going to be really tough for me to take Trevor in his first start. I do think it's going to be a really close game, though. I'll tell you that. I think oh, yeah. you, know, you mentioning that, you know, they don't know what they're going to do about the offensive line, Texas Tech. And maybe if Spo's on it, they'll be, you know, Jake Hill, Will, LaTempa, and Spo, that's a solid line. That is a solid offensive that, line. That's a solid line. But still, I still think that the, uh, the defensive line of Michigan State could, you know, Douglas can do all he can to, you know, will them this game right here. Uh, I think it's going to be a good one, but I just – I have to go with Billy because he has starts in the league and Trevor doesn't. I just – I can't – that's what I said for the last game. I have to say it here too. It's kind of weird that, you know, both these play, playing games, you know, we have two first, first starts of the season and two playing games. But I, I just got to – Take the team that has an experienced quarterback. I am taking Michigan State, and here is why. Wow. Huge game for Trevor. Huge game, first of all, for Trevor. So you know he's going to be prepared. I know for a fact Michigan State went to the field with Trevor to throw passes and kind of get ready for this game. Wow. So that's number one. So I know that they are bought in and ready to go. Number two, Zach Bilheimer was one of the subs for that Bad News Bears team, and he was all over Billy all day long. Wow. I'm not saying that that's going to be the same thing, but you're taking John Harnish, who's more of a block first offensive lineman, and replacing him with Spo, who definitely does his job blocking when he needs to, but Spo's a natural pass catcher. So um, I don't think it takes, I don't think it takes, um, makes their offensive line worse. I just think it kind of changes the game plan a little bit on offense for Billy and Texas Tech. Um, If Billy and Texas Tech are able to get this game 
win this game, I will not be shocked. I think this game is going to be a nail biter. Comes down to who makes the who's going to make the play at the end of the game. But I truly believe in the scheming and the all around solid athletes on the Michigan State defense that are going to be flying around. Um, Nick King, Trey McDonald, Frank Russo, Nick Douglas, Zach Belheimer, Garland playing on both sides of the ball. I assume in this one, but they're going to be ready to go. So. I'm taking Michigan State. I hope Sam Allen. Uh, I hope Sam Allen texts me and tells me that he, he's my friend again for picking him on the pod. <laughs> and uh, no, I I really do believe Michigan State is the hungrier dog here. Um, but I would I need to see a close game. I think both these games are going to be phenomenal games. I think we're going to be seeing two absolute nail biters. Where, like I said, in the playoffs, a few plays kind of change the game, and I can for sure see two or three plays really making the difference in this game. Give me a higher scoring game also, though. Really? Okay. Yeah. We I play think, the winner of this game, by the way. What? I said we play the winner of this game. Um, no. So the way it will go is that the highest remaining seed will play against the one seed. The lowest remaining seed will play against right. yeah. So we would play the winner of this game if it was Michigan State. Yep, you're right. We would play the winner of the other game if Texas Tech wins. So um, one and two seed don't know their opponents right now but they will after Sunday. So 10 to 11 o'clock at Rebels Field. Come down, enjoy a few really hard-fought um, games of playoff football. <laughs> All right, Crispin, let's get into the questions. Real quick, the questions that you got about each team going in. Yeah, we can. We, we don't even really have to chat about these things. I'm yeah, just, we've already I'm, talked about it. It's just the big narrative yeah. going in. These are the big narratives. I'm going to give all the narratives going into for each playoff team. Um, we'll go from bottom to top. Texas Tech, late game execution. Very good for 35 minutes of the game, really bad for five minutes of the game. Um, you need to learn how to close out these games. Okay. So like You guys keep letting teams back in it, making things a lot harder on yourselves. And in the playoffs, these things usually come back to bite you. So that's definitely a question for Texas Tech. Florida, defensive consistency. Gave up 30, 36, and 40 points in back-to-back games last week. Came out this week and allowed 12. So um, are you going to come with that same hunger and defensive intensity that you did last week and kind of ride that momentum into a hopeful play and victory? For Oregon, the opposite, offensive consistency. We haven't seen the big game. They have no games over 30 points scored. Will they be able to kind of put it all together with those three big weapons of Zach Stray, Steve Bowen, and uh, Joe Pep? I'm not sure, but I – I'm telling you that is the biggest pressure for them is their offense this year. We just haven't seen it. Michigan State, can you win the big game? Yep. You haven't played or lost to anybody, any team that is ranked above them this season. Wait, is that correct? <laughs> haven't played or lost or or they lost to every team that's above them in the standings this season, other than who did they beat? Who did they beat? They beat somebody ahead of them, but they beat they also beat all the um the teams below them in the standing. So can they really win the big game? Are they able to get it done? That's really just the question mark for them. Going to be tough, like we said, with a rookie quarterback getting his first start, but I did pick them. So I guess I have to say that they're going to win the big game. BMS, same problem as Florida. Defensive consistency. Lately, they've been playing very well. I'm not – Vigoriano playing on the D-line has definitely changed the way they play defense. Allowed 33 points to Michigan State. Um but also the week before, did a great job holding Oregon to 12 points, holding um, LSU to 20. So 
I just need to see which one's going to show up. Hopefully it's the good one against Florida State because they're going to need their best defensive performance this season. Um, for Georgia, new teammates, chemistry, O-line play. Who is stepping up for IB and not making it a IB needs to do everything for us to win the game? Right. I think that's been IB's MO. He's been able to just kind of make people look stupid in the backfield. But without Justin this year, their team, their team defense and team offense have taken a hit. Let's call it how it is. That's how I'm seeing it. So I think they need to get their chemistry down with their new faces and they need to figure out the offensive line and give IB time to make quicker throws. Um, for Ole Miss, sustaining long drives and putting teams out. I think they're another team that kind of sometimes lets, lets teams linger around late in games and they score a lot of points off of big plays and kind of broken plays. So I want to see those six, seven play drives where we see you convert a third down and then maybe convert a fourth and goal to score a touchdown. Um, I feel like we just keep seeing a lot of poly deep ball and I assume that teams in the playoffs are going to be way more locked in defensively. So you're going to see a lot less of that happening. For Florida State, a lot of talking, sheesh. For Florida State, um, not allowing teams to stay in games. They allowed Florida to stay in the game. They could have put me out early. They were told nothing on us. They didn't put us out. Um, they let Georgia stick in the game all game. So I think they're a team that needs to – they get up. They usually get up early. All these very good at scoring on the first and second drives of the game, but um, need to be able to score in the middle of the game and not rely on late game execution to win you ball games. For Wyoming – I talked about it earlier, beating ourselves. We are we made a lot of mental mistakes last week. We need to just shake those off. And if we don't beat ourselves, I don't think I, I think we can get the job done. And if I had to pick a question mark for Dartmouth, it's I guess I thought offensive firepower. And that's not no that's no that's no slight to them, but they scored on they, they score on they scored on two really big three honestly three big plays against us. It was Rich Ritter wide open touchdown. Rich Ritter absolute dime by Joe in the quarter on fourth and ten. And their other touchdown was Tompkins slant, and we missed five five grabs. So I just want to see the sustained big drives rather than the big headers. I mean, I think you hit it on the head with everything there. Um, I think this year, Kurtzman would be. I think we could say going into the playoffs this is the most wide open it's ever been. Oh, one thousand yeah. percent. Well, first or, of all, would you agree with that? Before. Oh, I definitely would. I think we have three, like, I think the semifinals, right? Like potentially the semifinals, if you, even if you go with, even if it runs chalk with, with the top four teams being in the semis, both of those games could easily be, be championship games for sure. If it ran chalk right now, we would be playing Florida state, which would, which is an elite matchup. And I think if it ran chalk the other way, it would be what, uh, Dartmouth versus Ole Miss. Dartmouth versus Ole Miss, or even if even if Georgia won that game, it would be Dartmouth versus Georgia. So, like, this league is stacked this year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this yeah, no, the parity is wild. The parity is wild. Um, I think you're going to see – I think my prediction is that one 6 through 10 seed will be in the semifinal. Okay, in the final four. Yeah, in the final four. I think one 6 through 10 team, so that would be BMS, Michigan State, Oregon, Florida, Texas Tech. I think one of those teams is going to be able to get it done. Um, I'm not sure which one we're going to have to wait and find out which three, which two teams move on next week. Um, I'm honestly jacked up to you, TJ, you know, this, you say it all the time, but when I get to come to the field and not play that oh, day, greatest thing ever, it's the best day of Christmas life. It's the best day of my life. I remember what I think it was, it was three years ago, summer 2018 Brown season. We had the bye, and I got to just chill with people the entire day and make sure everything was 
making sure everything was fine. But with only one game going on at a time, it there's a lot less pressure on me. So this is definitely the best day of yeah, the year Chris, for me. This is, so. this is Kurtzman like a kid in a candy shop day right here. Yeah, I'm just going to be on the IG live, talking it up with everyone the entire day, just like I was at the championship game last winter. Um, it should be – it's supposed to be 73 degrees. So Jeez. I know it's a little early for people on a Sunday morning, but it would be nice to have big crowd for the champion, the championship, the the playoff game. So um, hopefully at least for the second game when people are leaving, people are staying and whatnot. I hope we get some big crowds. So if you're not doing anything Sunday morning, you're in the league, come on down, watch a couple games, and uh, enjoy the vibes. Of course. That's going to be it for the pod tonight. Late pod, 1 a.m. finish. Crazy. That's wild. We love it, though. We love it. TJ, I need a favor, though. As a member of the Wyoming Cowboys, and I obviously hope that, that we win this championship, I need you to clip what Brandon just said about a, a, a seed 6 through 10 making the semifinals just in case like obviously i hope it doesn't happen but it would be kind of funny if if kersman was the one who got knocked right okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, I i didn't want to say it yeah it's a day you're planting the seed dead. 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 i love this league too much to not bring it up and i just think that would be phenomenal content for the league and its future Mork is selling for the content. I like it. I'm selling for us. I also think it's wait, TJ. I also think it's funny that um, what's it called? That everyone thought it was Augie that tweeted that about me and the yeah, podcast. Yeah, you were crying about your lo- uh, lost the dark. Yeah, you Brandon I was cracking up. Yeah. It was who tweeted it. it wasn't Augie. <laughs> That's hysterical. Yeah, no, I was sitting on my couch and I was like, all right, let's get some. I got like thirty something likes. So I was uh, thought it was funny. Yeah, people wanted to see you lose. They're happy you lost. Oh, I heard when when I lost, TJ, the amount of people I hear saying, oh, thank God I don't have to hear Kurtzman say he went 9 and oh, Thank God. Yeah, thank that's God. Facts. That is facts. No one wants to see me win, but they, they all love what we win. do. Underdog Kurtzman. <laughs> but they all love what we do here. So um, we'll keep bringing it to you every week. And sorry for the late podcast. Yep. We'll see everyone at the field Sunday. Looking forward to good playoff games. Morg, thank you for coming on the podcast, brother. Yep. My pleasure. Bye. All right. See you, everyone.